All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now with the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Innovation Crush. Innovation Crush. Um, the echo you just heard is Robert Donez Jr. Say hello, Robert Donez Jr. Hi, Robert Donez Jr. And also, uh, say hello to Irvi Bandari. Woo. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. That's great. Um, welcome to, to the show. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, so for starters, just, um, tell me what you do, you know, at, uh, we know that you're at AT AT&T, um, but you know, when I read LinkedIn, I'm like, huh? In a good way. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like that's the response most people have. That's a Um, okay, go ahead. So my AT&T job that I do is, it's a unique position that involves kind of a combination. It's almost like a little startup within a corporate world. Um, I, I manage five industries, entertainment, media, sports, hospitality, and agencies. And my role is to figure out what technologies can be used in those industries to help power the business in those industries. So not only do I figure out what AT&T technologies we currently have, but I also look at the future and figure out how to help those industries um, continue to generate revenue, engage their employees, um, be more productive in whatever business that they do. I see. So this is part time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's part time. And, the <laughs> and then the rest of my time is spent uh, connecting people across the world. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of like what you do in general, I mean, kind of with that, that HIMSA focus, which is an acronym I, I just learned recently. I have, yes. a pop, I have a pop quiz for Robert, and then maybe you can chime in here, too, if he, if he can't figure it out. Oh, man. Pop, okay. Uh, what does AT&T stand for? <laughs> you should see his face right now. Uh, the, the sad part about this is I'm actually an AT&T customer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually, the answer is easier you. than you think. What, it, it's, uh, are you? Did you just Google? Yeah, <laughs> we heard some clicking. We heard some clicking. No, it, it, so technically, legally, AT and T actually is AT and T. It used to be American Tele- Telephone and Telegraph Company, but it no longer stands for that. AT and T is just AT and T. No, well, okay, good. That's a good that's history why, lesson. That's what I was saying. It's actually an easier answer because it stands for itself. Yes. Um, so on, on a side note, I think, uh, I, I read your last tweet, which says, uh, completed my first half Ironman 70.3 in Cozumel respect goes out to those who finish in less than six hours. Wow. An amazing feeling. Yes. Um, are you sore? Um, not anymore, actually. Um, I, I stopped being sore within 48 hours, which was kind of amazing. Um, what was that experience like? 
Um, I think it's still sinking in that I just on Sunday, which was four days ago, did 70.3 miles of constant activity without stopping. Um, even the transition areas, I had about 13 minutes of stop and it wasn't really 13 minutes of stopping. It was, you know, transitioning out of a swim to a bike ride and then from a, you know, a bike ride to a run. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I know that I knew kind of going in that I'll, I, I was either going to say, I'm never, ever, ever going to do this again, or I'm going to say, when's the next one? And I think like most people, I'm, I'm looking for the next one. So now, did, were you there on behalf of a team or were you, did you just go as an individual? Like yeah, just an individual. I went by myself. Um, I had decided that I was going to do this last year. I signed up for it in March, uh, February of this year. And it was just something to, um, you know, for me, it's, I like to constantly push myself. And so mentally and emotionally, I push myself and I'm very strong there. And physically, um, you know, that's one of the places I actually struggle is, you know, feeling like I am fit and I should be, you know, um, should be pushing myself. So that's, you know, that's kind of what I did is took the next step. I've, I've done long bike rides. I've done a marathon. And so the half iron was the next step. Wow. That, and uh, I feel like there's a little bit of poeticism there just in kind of like pushing the boundaries. Right. And and that's yeah. kind of what you do on a day to day basis through your work. You know um, what sort of I guess when I look at at and especially the, the the way the company is now. I, I kind of automatically think innovation. Mm-hmm. What does an innovation practice inside of an innovative organization, you know, look like? That's kind of like next level, and especially across right. multiple verticals. So, innovation at AT and T happens in many different places, and it happens in different ways. Um, I think a lot of people think about innovation as in what's new, right? How can we create something that's absolutely new? Um, and so, at AT and T, you know, there are specific organizations for innovation, such as our labs and our foundry. Um, the labs is where you have traditional R&D, things may not ever come to market. Our foundry is where you actually have projects come in almost like through an incubator where we, within six months, we can create a go-to-market strategy. My organization actually, I, I actually live and work within a sales organization. So it's a traditional sales organization and what they've done is created a piece of it to say, let's look at the future of industries versus just looking at solutions. And so that's where innovation comes in, in the sense that these, my specific industries are the industries that actually affect how people live, work, and play, because they influence. They influence because people are, you know, engage with sports. People watch entertainment. Uh, People are constantly getting information from the media. And hospitality is something that people are literally, whether you go for work and you travel or whether you personally travel, it's, it's, a, it's an industry that affects you in many different ways. So how do we use these industries to adopt technology and also influence how people are live, living, working, and playing? And so I think that's where the innovation comes in is because part of it is taking all these solutions that we already have and figuring out how it can be used to the end user, which is a consumer or the employee. 
um, versus just looking at AT and T as a technology company that you know and, that and, builds a network. And that's a great. I mean, that's a great point too. Is when you know there's a certain perception when people make that call to AT&T like as a service provider and not as a partner in kind of forging forward into the future. Um, how does it, what kind of hurdles do you run into in the marketplace when you're having these conversations? Is it like, oh, I thought you guys did this and <laughs> you, you need you, you have to clarify like especially yeah. if you're aligned with sales, right? Like that's a whole other type of conversation that you have to have. Exactly. So number one, people you know, people don't necessarily know I sit in a sales organization and, but at the end of the day, you know, I am very, very aware of being able to sell the solution. But the reason I don't necessarily need my clients to know that I'm there for sales is because a lot of what I'm doing is collaborating with them to figure out what they need to do. By the way, they'll know now. Yeah, I know, (laughs) which is is fine. Uh, But at the end of the day, when I'm still working with a client, I'm looking at what is right for them. Um, So, you know, going back. So when when you talk about what do people think about AT&T? Yes. When I start telling the story and the innovation story and I'm laying out a day in the life of a fan experience for a sports for a sports fan, people are like, Wait, so, you know, first question is almost like, why are you telling me about this stuff? And then then act, when I go through and show what technology is being used, the question is, wow, I had no idea you did that. Because most people think of AT&T as we're a network company, you know, we're right. the landline and we're, and we're a mobility company, a wireless company. We offer you cell phones. What people don't realize is that there's a lot more technology that goes into say, for example, a sports experience, the fan experience, um, to actually help that happen. We, we develop a- applications, um, the Wi-Fi and the DAS networks that actually go into the stadium so you can actually use the applications is all built by us. You know, digital signage, all the signage that you see with, with your concession stands or even just the ads and things like that, those are technologies that we help, you know, implement. Wow. So there's a lot of other things that kind of go into creating that entire experience, especially since people are becoming more um, more and more towards many screens that they actually look at and interact with. So, you know, as a, as a sort of a technology provider, like, are you going in and creating experiences as well? Are you creating like what if, you know, I don't know, I'm going to make this up, but if you're talking yeah. to Coca-Cola or the Staples Center, are you helping them create the experience or are you kind of the back end or is it both? Uh, both. So mostly we're trying to do the back end. Um, with a couple of key clients, we are actually working to help develop the experience because we have a combination of marketers and salespeople working on it. So we're developing case studies to say, look, if you're talking about a stadium experience and a fan experience, you know, it's one thing to have the technology, but how are you going to actually execute on the technology? And a lot of times, you know, that's where your agencies and your marketers have to come in and kind of make it go from functionality to actual executability. I can say, oh, well, you can put your menu on there. But what would actually help a customer is by telling them, by the way, you can change the prices on your menu at a given time. You could put discounts on there for certain people. You know, you could be engaging with your fan as they're buying stuff 
Um, that's how that digital signage works. And that creates a different story than, oh, this digital signage does color and you can, and, um, you know, and you can put your menu up there. Two different stories. Right. And so give us like, um, it's, it sounds all good and well, (laughs) you know, from a, from a, you know, services standpoint and what you guys provide, but, and you mentioned use, uh, case studies a little, uh, in that, in, in that speech. Um, can you kind of give us a case study, you know, give us like, walk us through an example of at least maybe one of your favorites or one that you, it was like, ah, uh, you want to pat yourself on the back for, and like this, this, this is what this department is designed for. And we nailed it. So, um, I can't actually give you any of the case studies right now cause we're building it. So I actually came into my role about, so just a little background. I came into my role about a year ago. Um, didn't actually launch, um, we already had hospitality launched, um, but my sports practice got launched earlier this year and oh, wow. I'm in between launching the entertainment and media practice. But what I can give you is kind of an idea if we're looking at the sports industry and kind of what we're trying to create. Well, we build a story around the fan experience. And so when you look at the fan experience, so when I came into this role, I, if you look at sports and they say, okay, well, figure out what solutions need to be used in sports. Then the story that we created was you have a fan experience. A, a fan wants to use a mobile app, which we can develop for you. That mobile app is going to have information such as being able to send you messages during fourth quarter and saying, hey, you know, it's fourth quarter. There's, there's discounts at the concession stand the closest to you. Um, because, you know, two for one. Um, but it's also doing that based on your previous buying history during the year, uh, during the game. So all of those different things are different technologies that are being used. So then, so, so location, location-based services, messaging services, but let's go back a little bit. When you come in as a fan, when you come into the stadium, what if you want to do a in-venue seat upgrade? Well, we could do that. Um, you're seeing advertising as you go by on your phone through the app or through digital signage. Um, you can do mobile concessions through your phone. You can actually have food delivered to your seat rather than you getting up. Um, I'm liking we, the stadium, uh, the stadium <laughs> walkthrough. I, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like, you know, you're making that experience just so much more like it, it, it sounds okay. like it's, yeah, it's very tailored to the customer experience and not just, right. you know, exactly. I, I, I find that what happens a lot of times people think of a good idea, but they don't yep. think of a practical idea. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I, instead of telling them, Oh, you need mobile apps and Wi-Fi and DAS big data analytics and blah, blah. Instead of telling my need, they need all that, I'm actually telling them how a person will use it. And so that's kind of what my group does is we're almost the translator between the technology and what the end client needs to actually use the technology for. Now, as, as sort of a, a relatively new function within the company, like how, you know, again, just kind of taking it out into the marketplace. I understand the conversation is is you know, it's kind of like that wow factor and like, oh, I thought you did. And, and but wow, you do what? Um, yeah. What sort of tactics are you guys implementing, if you can discuss them, um, in terms of getting this out into the marketplace that this is a, you know, a, a service provided by AT&T or a, par- a partnership yeah. available? 
So um, I'm going to kind of stay in the sports practice for most of your questions, um, only because that's where we're actually blowing out a lot of stuff. Sure. Um, so part of what we've done for this year is the folks on my team and me actually go out to the sports conferences. So we're talking to those people that we want to eventually be able to provide our services to. And we're talking to them about what are their issues? Um, what are they seeing? What do they think is the future of sports? But we're also kind of having the conversations with them that, hey, we have these solutions. And oh, by the way, not that we have the solutions, it's more about, oh, hey, let's talk to you about a fan experience and what you should be doing and, you know, et cetera. And then as they get engaged, you know, we tell them a little bit more about the actual technology. So that's one thing we're doing. Number two, um, part of the reason I can't give you any case studies is because we're kind of working on them. So we're working with a couple of very key clients to make them the premier um, stadiums so that, you know, it, when people come to it, they talk about it. They are excited about it. And then we can actually show what are the technologies that powered them and then use that with other clients and actually show them a use case scenario of here's what actually has been done. And by the way, here's the constant, you know, growth that we're going to do on what we're doing today because technology is changing so quickly yeah. that, it's not, you can't plan three years ahead of time. I mean, you could, but I'll bet you what's going to be there three years from now is something that we haven't even thought about today. Oh, yeah. So making sure that our clients understand that future um, and this is going to be constant, you know, growth. So that's number two. And then number three, internally, because we um, we are an industry vertical, there are obviously people who you know work on certain accounts full time. So being able to provide them information about the industry, information about the technology, information about what you know. So we what I like to say is our team looks at technology, industry, and culture, weaves them together, and builds a story. I love that. Uh, 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 my, like my wheels are just spinning right now. Um, uh, but uh, so what I'm going to do is give myself a break, but also talk about you for a second. And, you know, what what is it about your career or just even your personal philosophy that that primes you for this position? Right. Like it, it's a very unique skill set to be able to look across multiple verticals, kind of connect dots where they don't they aren't normally connected and then, you know, make key decisions based on that from hiring and, you know, putting a team together to actually presenting, you know, uh, solutions to a client. So where, what's your sort of personal philosophy and what's the Irvi Bandari personal brand <laughs> that you, you kind of bring to the table? Um, I think I bring two things to the table. One is a functional brand and one is the, you know, the Irvi personality brand. <laughs> um, the functional brand I would say is the marketing um, however, it's marketing with having sales background before. So I'm not just a pure, even though I, I consider myself more of a marketer than a salesperson, I have the sales background to understand how the two need to work together so I can build, I can build plans, right. but I can also take those plans and take them out to the market and actually inter, you know, interface with clients. The other part about the functional piece, which is the marketing piece, is these industries are very, very marketing driven. Again, like I said earlier, these are industries that, and I call them the lifestyle industries. They're the lifestyle industries because people interact with them in their, in, 
three different aspects, whether it's living, working, or playing. Oh, I think I think uh, Robert thought lifestyle was the condom uh, brand, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but I but I, I corrected him. Don't worry. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> like lifestyle wow. industry. Wow. Well, that's wow. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> um. So so from that perspective. Um, you know, the functional background of having in marketing allows me to also have conversations with the people that I'm trying to sell to because I actually know their language. Because right. if they're marketers and they're trying to do a fan experience and I tell them, oh, by the way, widget, widget A can do X and Y versus telling them, by the way, widget A, you know, can make your end user do this. You know, it's two different stories. Right. Um, so that's the first part, I think, is the functional piece, which is marketing. Um, the second me as a person, um, my philosophy in life and how I live my life is very much about interacting with people, but the reason I interact with people so much is so that I can connect them. Um, I like to, you know, I hear... I hear the surface on ideas and my brain starts clicking on, oh, wait, this person needs to meet this person, that person. I, I, I enjoy connecting people. My philosophy in life is to interact with people. Um, and so the more I interact with people, the more people I get to know, the more that I can connect others. So usually I'm not trying to meet people for my own you know, There's no specific benefit to me. It's more because I can connect different people across different industries, different places that may not have met each other because, you know, they're not necessarily actively trying to connect with people. Right. Um, but connecting people starts ideas, starts, you know, things, you never know where they're going to go. So what I was ending up with was a funny story about how I connect people and how sometimes they have to come back and tell me because I'm so my my brain literally clicks when I hear things and people and places and projects that I think that need to be connected and sometimes people have to tell me, Irvi, you already connected us. <laughs> you like it so much, you'll, you do it twice without even knowing it. Right. Because I, I connect so many people you know, on a daily basis. I meet at least two, two to, to seven people per day, new people per day. How many LinkedIn um, connections do you have? I have 3,000 plus. Wow. That's pretty awesome. You're popular. I think I'm at 3,500. Right. And I'm proud to say that I I know, I mean, as long as I get a minute to look at somebody's profile, I can usually tell you where I've met them, how I know them, um, and whether I'm willing to do a recommendation or not. All right, let's go. <laughs> all 3,000. Let's No, just all, all 3,000 of them. Let's just start going <laughs> alphabetical. <laughs> I told you I need a minute for each. <laughs> well, it's only 3,000 minutes. Um, we've, got, we've got time. Uh, no, but it, I, I love that because it's, you know, like you said, it's kind of combining your personal position, if you will, with, mm-hmm. you know, with a practical function in your day to day work life. And it, it, even AT&T is all about connecting, at least from okay. your perspective, okay. connecting people to experiences and the people and the the things that they love or need. Like you said, live, work and play. And yeah. and then in your profession, I mean, in your personal slash professional life is this sort of the same same sort of thing. Well, and even for work itself, um, a lot of what I'm doing right now, because I can't, 
I can't do this by myself. I, I don't know all the solutions. Um, I don't know all the industries, you know, in, in deep. I know it from the surface. Um, so all of these things, I'm actually doing the role that I play in life, which is connecting. And so what I do is if we're working with a client, a lot of what I teach my team and what I do is bringing in all the different players who have all the different solutions and asking them to work together. But it's not even just the solutions, right? So if you look at sports, AT&T sponsors a lot of stuff. So bringing in the sponsorship teams, bringing in the brand teams. So bringing out the cross-functional teams to work together um, is, you know, part of using that skill set of connecting people. Uh, so I read on one of your bios, and this kind of ties in with your whole, uh, you know, connecting people and, uh, you know, just reaching out and, you know, bringing everyone together. Uh, it, I saw that you said you were like a social scientist of sorts, and that's really intriguing <laughs> to me uh, because I studied both marketing and social. So, like, how do you think that played out and, like, affected your role there and, you know, just in terms of, like, being able to apply it to your career because I think that's something that's really interesting that not too many people talk about in yep. terms of marketing. So, you know, could you shed some light on that? Sure. Um, I, I think it's a topic that a lot of people don't talk about in general, right? Right. Um, and the reason, you know, and I gave that title to myself. Um, I'm also very known to um, take things and own them and take them for myself. Um, and <laughs> yeah, other people can borrow them if they want, but, you know, I'm going to continue to create that for myself. But I think what has helped me at AT AT&T is, you know, even though I'm a marketer and a lot of people within the company have, you know, labeled me as a marketer, I've also done very different roles within the company. Mm -hmm. And so the brand, you know, my brand image within the company has become, okay, well, she can do multiple different things, even though her functional, um, background is marketing. So at AT&T itself, I've technically only done one true role that is marketing. And that was my first job when I got came into the company um, seven years ago. So all the other roles that I've done from there have been operations, sales, um, chief of staff, uh, sales again. So uh-huh. when you look at it from that perspective, and I the reason... I can label myself as a social scientist is because I've gotten my different roles because not that people have tapped me for the roles that I've gotten into, but when I go to somebody, I have a brand image that comes with it. And so that only could happen because I've made, I've built my network over within the company over the seven years. Um, and so people know my reputation, people, you know, know what kind of a person I am, um, and whether they want to actually hire me or not. Now, I will say being a social scientist actually did help me in this particular role because the the individual who hired me into my current role met me probably eight months before he hired me for the first time. Wow. We spoke for about 10 minutes, and that's it. Really? And the next thing I knew... Um, you know, I was hired into his organization because he reached out to me six months later and said, Hey, I've got a role. Are you interested? You were like, who is this? <laughs> no, and I- <laughs> How'd you get this number? <laughs> Actually he emailed me, but I knew exactly who he was. And that was pretty cool because within 10 minutes I had been able to tell him six months prior 
who I am, what I'm interested in, what's my passion from a professional perspective, right? right? So that when he had something, he remembered me and he asked me to kind of look into it and see if I was interested in it. Well, I think that's important. That's an important point because it's A, it's know your personal brand, B, know your client's brand and, and, and your brand as a, as a company because I think a lot of times, you know, all you have to do is plant a seed with yep. a client or with a person, you know, yep. and you never know when you're going to get that follow up call or conversation. You probably know this from exactly. sales, right? But, you know, right. it's what's your elevator pitch? Like we people talk about that a, lo- uh, a lot. Exactly. But it, it, well, a- and I think that's helped me with the sales. Right. So if I, even though I say I'm a marketer, the reason I can do the sales and it's more long term sales, right? Relationship building sales, because a lot of the individuals that I've talked to last year when I got into my role telling them, hey, I'm in a new role are coming to me now this year and saying, you know, I think I get what you're doing and you've been in your role for about a year. Can you come come and tell me what you what you have to offer? That's awesome. Exciting to see that come about, even though it's a year later, um, you know, because that shows me that, okay, the skill set that I have, even though I didn't make that sale a year ago, I have the skill set to create something that can, you know, generate the relationship and, you know, the the long-term kind of revenue versus a short-term. Yeah, well, it's also you, you kind of when you're in this space, right, it's your job is to sort of be ahead of the curve. So people might not yep. get it of, on first introduction or first mention. Exactly. And then as things you talk about come become relevant in their day to day, they go like, oh, such and such told me about this. And next thing you know, they they want to have a deeper conversation. <laughs> so um, that's pretty good. It, it, even along those lines, right, like your job, again, is sort of to be a little bit ahead of the curve and kind of have forward thinking solutions. You know, and also be a thought leader in that in that arena. How do you keep yourself educated? Right, you're always educating other people within the organization or your clients on potential solutions. But how do you yourself like stay abreast of an ever changing industry? So you know, unlike most people who say you know they read first thing in the morning or whatever, uh, mine's not consistent, but it is consistent. Um, number one, people constant conversations um, and listening to, you know, as much as anybody who knows me, I love to talk. Um, I actually do listen also. Um, I'm sorry, so, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> so later when I bring up something, people are like, wait, you actually heard that? And it's like, yeah, I did. Um, so I, I take in as much information as I give out almost. If anything, I probably take in more information than I give out. And so talking to people understanding kind of what's going on with them and kind of listening to the projects they're working on, um, asking questions, right? Because a lot of times people, we get focused on what we want to say and don't realize that we could probably give more information if, you know, somebody asks us the right questions. So people is number one. So again, going back to my social scientist, um, number two, just, you know, as much as the Facebooks and the LinkedIn's and people have their views on it, I'm constantly scouring them. I'm constantly seeing what articles are being posted. Um, more so on Facebook than even LinkedIn now, uh, because people are putting stuff that's relevant to, again, live, work and play. And that's the world that I live in. I live in the world of what affects people on their day-to-day lives. So that is another way. And then just, you know, 
if I find article, you know, find articles that are interesting or whatever, then obviously I'm reading them. But that's really how I do it. Right. Um, and then just kind of like as you're, you know, I guess it's a two part question. A, you know, um, what are some areas that you look at in terms of, you know, because you have to look constantly look outside your own industries. But mm-hmm. I think, again, you're connecting these dots. But then as you're kind of casting this big net and seemingly all over the place, in a sense, what sort of metrics of success are you required to have in the organization? It's new. It's kind of experimental. You know, what are what is Mr. AT&T looking at or Mrs. AT or Miss? I don't know who runs at <laughs> but um, but what are they looking at when they look at Irvy and say, all right, this is successful because what happened? Um, I think from a just, you know, clear cut metric, right? Um, key performance indicator, KPI, is is how much, you know, how much sales is how many how many sales have happened and right. you know, have we have we met our objective. Um, I think that's number one. But I think number two is have we created the repeatable, scalable solutions that now is not just a one-off with one customer, but that our entire sales force could use um, and get integrated. And, you know, I think number three is getting our name out there. Um, so I think I've, I forgot to mention earlier is the third way we're trying to get our name out there is use social media to put, you know, make people knowledgeable about not only what we do, but more so what's happening in their industry and letting them know that we're knowledgeable about what's happening in their industry and that we can help them get to the future. Very cool. Um, so also I, I think when, um, I, I noticed on your LinkedIn, I peruse things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I see that you speak a lot and you're right. You do talk a lot, but you, <laughs> in a good way, it's, 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 it's you're going to make, this is making a great show. Um, and, uh, like, what do you find are like common questions? Like if you're on a panel, like what is the repeated, you know, two or three things that come up all the time that you're like, I wish people could get this. Or I wish I could get this knowledge out. In a Those program. are our next questions. <laughs> yes. And then we will ask them to you. No, just kidding. But no, what are, <laughs> you're helping us do our own interview. Um, no, but what are, like, I'm always curious because, you know, like I've, I've done a few panels and like anytime someone asks a social media question, like this domino effect in the room, like everybody has. 15 different questions about that and you're like you know there's certain basic principles that everybody should follow blah 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 but um i want to know from your perspective you know uh, when people ask you to to join events what are some questions that you see that are common from you know the the world right um it's very interesting because up until now most of the panels and conversations i've had have actually been in very different kind of roles of irby um, obviously always, uh, branded with, I work at AT&T, right? right? So the question though, which has been interesting that has come up, no matter whether I'm doing it, whether I'm mentoring for a marketing association or whether I'm talking on behalf of my current role, um, or whether I was in the marketing, you know, organization and hosting an event or something like that, the one question everyone talks about is the network. Right. And, you know, or what are you doing with your network? Or it's just usually a comment, your network, you know. 
there, there, there are issues with your network. And so I think, you know, one of the, the answers that I give, you know, because I, number one, I'm very passionate about AT&T and I know internally what we're doing. Are you an AT&T customer? I am. I'm a fully loaded <laughs> AT&T customer. Just double check it. UVerse internet, my, U, my AT&T phone. Um, but the answer that I give to a lot of people is, number one, is that the, the company is very, very um, focused on making sure that the network works. Um, the, the industry and where people, how much data people are using is moving exponentially. And so, you know, as a company, we are trying, you know, we're trying to make sure that we can provide that service um, as people are changing the way they live, work and play. Um, I look at it almost as a positive that AT&T is getting the chance to continue to help people live, work and play differently um, and changing the paradigm shift of how we're doing that because we are that network where all that data is going back and forth. Um, and so from that perspective, I know that as a company, we're doing everything we can do to make sure that, you know, we're providing what we need to provide to the, to the environment out there. That's great. Um, so the title of the this show is innovation crush. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your current innovation crush inside of AT&T, outside of AT&T? It could be some, somewhere in China. I don't, you know, I don't care, but, um, what is, what is, what's a trend or a thing that you see out in the world that you're like, wow, that is really amazing. And, you know, hmm. interesting. Um, I guess I want to, or personal, um, I think the trend that I'm seeing, and granted, it's more so in the startup community and the people that I know, um, but is being a little bit more nomadic, a nomadic lifestyle, um, a lifestyle that doesn't necessarily keep us, you know, in a city with a, you know, a house or apartment. And so because it's easier and easier to work from anywhere, and there are those of us who, you know, constantly love to travel and are constant. Again, part of that is constantly meeting people and connecting the dots and, you know, making business happen. Um, you can't necessarily, you know, it, it's just part of our, you can't necessarily do it in one place when it's a part of your core to travel all the time. So I think there's a lot of conversations that I've been having with a lot of people in that, in that community of how do you create the ability to have to let people have a nomadic lifestyle, so not necessarily having a full-on apartment um, where now you can you know now you can only afford rent in one place. Um, you could have multiple you know homes, and and not talking for you know I'm not even talking about the people who can afford you know a million-dollar house in five different cities. It's places where you can go to that allow you to have a space, be there for a little bit, and then move on. And you don't even necessarily have to come back to that same place. Sounds very, sounds very James Bondish. 
<laughs> just, just to be a, a man of the world or a woman of the world. Yeah, exactly. A woman of the world. <laughs> <laughs> and there are more and more females. And I think um, that's the other innovation. Actually, you know what? I will talk about that. The innov- next innovation crush, which is more and more females within this industry. Um, not in- I don't know if I could call it innovation an industry, but I guess. Um, but again, I, I, I guess I look at innovation as this paradigm shift on, um, number one, providing people technology or even other things to help them live today, but also how they're going to live tomorrow, um, and changing that shift on live, work and play. And there are many, many more women getting involved in that, um, which is very exciting because even today, if you look at industry after industry and industry, women are a minority. And I think we're, you know, I think women are finally coming to the forefront. And minority women are even more minority. More minority. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'll spare you the innovation to me is because I think you just, you just nailed it with, uh, with, with what you said. Um, So, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I know your time is precious. And uh, I want to thank you for joining us today. This has been amazing. I, I feel like we should do a, a part two of this. Uh, Maybe we will next year. <laughs> the sequel. Yes, the sequel. Uh, <laughs> Irvi Bandari part two, Electric Boogaloo. Um, electric what? Electric Boogaloo. It, it's an old breakdancing movie. Don't worry Got about it. it. <laughs> uh, how can people find you and find what you're doing? Um, where can they st- cyber stalk you a little bit since you're a, a, you know, a nomadic worker? <laughs> Definitely. Um, so Twitter is Irvib, U-R-V-I-B. Um, LinkedIn. Um, it's the LinkedIn.com slash in slash Irvib. So usually you can find me in anything with Irvib. Irvib, got it. But uh, um, Irvi Bandari, you know, you can Google me and probably the first uh, five are me. Yeah, that's not a yeah, that's not a common name in, in my uh, in my Rolodex. Uh, <laughs> um, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do one last pop quiz before you go because Robert Definitely. usually asks this. Um, uh, what is your favorite quote? Oh, see, what I, is I, my I favorite quote? Yes, I didn't forget. I didn't see. I didn't forget you, Robert. Um, <laughs> yes, what's your favorite quote? Or do you even have one? I do actually. Well, and it's it's a quote that I go to once in a blue moon. Um, and unfortunately I, I never say it right. So I was going to look it up. I wish I had known that ahead of time. Oh, Hey, we, we like surprises um, on this innovation sometimes happen in the places you least expect it. I know, but there's a quote <laughs> about life. Uh, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase it since I don't know the quote. Um, but, uh, it's, it's about the fact that life is meant to be, you know, lived, um, you know, you, you don't need to go, pre- you know, you're not going to, you don't necessarily need to go pretty in a, you know, in a coffin when you die. It's, you should be, you know, tired and used up and, you know, uh, yes, you know, your body Bruised. is just like, yes, you've you given know, your all literally. Huh? Right. No, it's like, you've, you've, exactly. You've, yeah. Giving it your all. Um, and then screaming, I want more, you know, right. right. Um, because life has so much to offer. Um, so I, I think I definitely, I personally feel like I do embody that. And to me, constant, you know, constant movement, constant, 
soaking things up. And I think that's part of the reason I love to travel is I meet people along the way. I experience life from a totally different uh, perspective that I would never be able to do if I was just, you know, in one place and, you know, static and, you know, didn't, didn't accept what was coming at me. Right. Well, that's beautiful. Uh, so yes, we will now let you go. Um, uh, but thank you. That was awesome. Um, everybody, this has been an amazing uh, installment of Innovation Crush. Innovation Crush. And uh, we will talk to you next time. Thank you, everybody. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.